Hello and welcome to this month's edition of the Prestige Purchasing Podcast. Our podcasts take place monthly and we touch on all sorts of topics affecting the food and hospitality supply chain. From farming to distribution, right through to the consumer's plates, our ambition is to touch on all the interesting issues around food supply chain. Today we are lucky enough to catch up with Helen Browning, CEO of the Soil Association, on location at Davies Bottle Screw in St Paul's. Helen is currently at the forefront of the conversation around Brexit future food policy. So without further ado, I'm going to pass over to our chairman, David Reid, who will be asking her a few questions around this topic. Thank you. Good afternoon, Helen. Hello. Uh, I'd just like to welcome Helen Browning, who is uh, CEO of the Soil Association, to, uh, to our podcast this afternoon. Nice of you to come along and join us. Great pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, Helen, uh, we, we all know you both as an established organic farmer uh, and as CEO of the Soil Association, um, but I, I understand your schedule is even more full currently. Could you, could you start by telling us a little bit about why that is? Well, I think since, since the referendum, um, I've been very uh, aware uh, that we're going to have a whole new landscape for food farming in the countryside. Mm. Um, and uh, there doesn't seem to be any great process as to how we're going to make these incredibly important decisions, um, which will impact on everybody's lives and all of our businesses going forward. Um, Fifteen years ago, I was involved in something called the Curry Commission, which some of you, some of your older it. listeners yeah. might uh, I, remember. I'm an old listener. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I was very impressed by that as a process mm. because we brought together uh, ten people from very different walks of life yeah. uh, who had very different opinions on the way the world should work. And uh, we came up with uh, a very progressive set of recommendations, mm. um, most of which uh, 97 out of the 104 government accepted. And that document did actually determine over the next decade or so uh, the future of you know, strategy for, for food and farming. Mm. Uh, it was all about reconnection and actually that theme is just as relevant now. Mm. So I started to think and a lot of other people started to think the same thing, that we needed that kind of commission to bring together all the great thinking that's going on because there is a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got the green groups getting together and doing some really good work. Yep. You've got uh, NFU and some of the farming sector uh, coming together to, uh, to think through their uh, wish lists. Um, but it's not joining up. And there's a lot of voices yeah. that aren't at the table. And so one of the, uh, as we've started to promote the idea of a commission, talking to government about it, government aren't that keen, uh, there's now a very strong proposal, which I think will be a runner within the next few weeks, um, uh, for an independent commission mm -hmm. that will do that job, um, but will also hopefully engage uh, with lots of the stakeholders that aren't yet at the table and actually also talk to your average person about what they want from the, their food system in the in the medium term and uh, that feels like a really exciting opportunity. No, oh, thank you. Um, so if the government aren't that keen then will they listen to the outcomes of the Commission do you think? Well I think in a way that's where um, we you know they, they, I think there's lots of people within government who are really interested in understanding what a collective view looks like um, who want to see the, some of these issues come up the agenda, mm. um, but uh, they need us to get our act together. 
I think. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that's a, a, about a really good engagement with government um, mm. because we need to understand where a process like this would be most helpful. What are the questions they're grappling with? Uh, some of the time, you know, it's yeah. about tackling some of the tough stuff, yeah. uh, which is quite hard for governments to do. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that with a good chair and with a good group of people who actually uh, know their way around the world mm -hmm. and can engage well uh, into government yeah. uh, and a good secretary, I think that that should feel like a really constructive process. And do you think we've got enough time to do this? Everyone keeps telling me we've got less than 80 weeks uh, before Brexit and, and you know, every, every week goes by and everyone's going, well, we haven't made any progress yet. And you know, do you think there's enough time? Who knows how much time we've got, actually. I mean, you know, we're fe it feels like such an uncertain political landscape at the mm. moment that it's quite easy to freeze and do nothing and think we're either too early or we're too late or, you know, the bus mm. is gone. Actually, uh, I think that it's important we get a move on. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be in a changing political context, understanding how Brexit's going to unravel, understanding our own political dynamic yeah. uh, is going to be challenging enough. Um, but if we don't start work, we won't have. So we, you know, we could have something to say. I think this process could mm. have something to say quite quickly on some of the really big issues. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, is it is it too late? It can't be too late. And this isn't just about Brexit. I mean, there is mm. a an ongoing. There's going to be an unfolding of policy initiatives uh, in the UK for quite some time to come. We've got some big decisions to make about what happens on things like trade and labour uh, supply yep. um, over the next 18 months or so. But some of the discussions about what future farm support might look like might be rolling on for the next five years or so. Um, certainly government's already mm. committed to 2020 at least. Mm -hmm. So we've got a little bit of time to get some of that stuff right. So, so uh, bearing in mind that most of the people who will be listening to this um, podcast will be people in the catering and hospitality sector. W why should we care about things like farm support? Well, I think it depends on how, um, how, how worried the catering sector is mm. about having a UK supply base, mm. um, how important it is to have a domestic uh, source of raw materials for your okay. industry. That's one of the things that um, I think should be worrying people mm. because if the worst happened uh, and the rugs pulled away and proper uh, recognition for some of the environmental benefits, for instance, for farming, some other sources of income don't come into the mix, then I think we could see a lot of farmers either scaling back or going out of business. So I think there's mm. some stuff around that. Perhaps okay. even more immediately, though, mm. I think the debates around uh, labour, you know, we know that in the food industry, whether it's on farm or whether it's in processing units or whether it's actually at the hospitality end, yep. an awful lot of the people we're employing are coming from other places. Yeah. And I think that's a real concern uh, with the idea that we're going to be capping immigration and trying to row back on uh, people from other places coming to work in our food and hospitality sector. That feels like quite a big threat. Yeah, it was fascinating. I, was, I, I saw the, um, uh, the press this week about the number of nurses um, who are not coming here anymore, um, just, just literally over this summer. Yeah. So, you know, the health service is having that same struggle, and I guess farming, and I know hospitality is going through the same challenge. There's some really big, there are really big challenges mm. there, and I think getting that right um, is going to be crucial for the yeah. I mean, a, lot, a lot of people will say to me, at all, at all, in, in, in all sorts of businesses, 
probably the most important thing for us, or the trade is the trade deal is is probably the most important thing. But the second mm. most important thing is where is our labour going to come from? Yeah. Um, and we're we're all out of business if we if we can't uh, employ people. Well, I think what is what is really interesting about this com conversation is that you know you, you you as a not only as the CEO of the Soil Association, but you as a farmer are experiencing so many similar issues to those that are right at the other end of that of that value chain, you know, the caterers and, uh, and restaurateurs, because they're getting exactly the same issues. So actually being joined up about this is actually something that's probably fairly important. It's hugely important. And, and you mm. know, my own business is quite joined up because we have our own pub and restaurants and mm. we have, you know, we're doing, uh, we're making products for supermarkets. So, so actually, I, in my own microcosm, I, I kind of understand yeah. some of these issues in the round, and they yeah. are deeply challenging. Yeah, very, very, very much so. So, what? So, what are the, what, apart from um, apart from farm, farm subsidy? What, what, what do you think are the other major things that the commission will look at as as part of their work? So, I think where the big gaps are at the moment, I think the, the big themes, apart from. Uh, subsidies and uh, also the future support, uh, the trade uh, deals and how we up the profile of food in that mm. and labour, <coughs> I think is the sort of regulatory base. What are the standards we're going to be operating to in the UK? Yep. Uh, this is a sort of big repeal bill. Uh, so we're moving across all this legislation um, and then there'll be a process of deciding what we want to keep and what we don't want to keep. Mm. And so I think there'll be something that there's, you know, and that baseline that we're working to here and how we present actually UK food and farming uh, to the world yeah. um, which does is premised largely on the standards that we have uh, as well as what we you know how we manage our businesses yeah. uh, I think is going to be uh, uh, very important so there's all of there's there, I know there's quite a big territory in here the Commission itself um, and this is going to be hosted by the RSA okay um, so it's not it's not our baby it's very much going to be hosted by uh, by the RSA which gives it a, you know, a, a good neutral place to work for from. Mm. Um, been, they've been looking at, at where, are the, where, where are the gaps really, where, where are the areas where other people aren't working and one of those I think is about engaging a wider, uh, wider society mm -hmm. and, tr uh, in, and to, to sort of give a bit of a mandate and to put some pressure on government to give these issues a higher priority. Okay. So actually trying to make sure that we understand what your average citizen or your average consumer really wants from yeah. uh, food and farming going forward and getting um, uh, getting some impetus behind that I think is one of the, the, the key issues. And understanding the devolution agenda, you know, we've got a complicated situation uh, uh, in, in, in view uh, with Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland um, having <laughs> an increasing say over what they want to do. We've got to unravel all of that. And to me it's about working out um, what's the right thing to do in the right places? It's not a one-size-fits-all solution, perhaps, mm. that we're looking at into the future. That's what CAP's given us. That's what the EU has given us. Mm. It's given us one set of rules and one set of support arrangements yep. uh, for farming and food, uh, regardless of where you are. Mm. Um, what we have the opportunity to do now is to fine-tune that a lot more and say, what's the right thing to be doing in the right place, mm. given the opportunities, the geography, the economic analysis, the businesses, what people need and want in that uh, particular area. So I think looking at this through more of a local and regional lens uh, yeah. will also be very helpful. Okay, and uh, look, what would you say to some of the people that I talk to in our industry who say, actually, it doesn't really matter 
where we source our food from and why are we really differentiating between the UK and the rest of the world? You know, many of our um, many of the restaurant groups and caterers uh, are today sourcing lots of product from you know from as far flung as as Brazil and Thailand and so on. So. Uh, so for them, it, it, they have made the argument, well, if we're free trading, in, we might actually get a significant reduction in the cost in our food. So what, what, what's the problem? What would you say to that? Well, it's one of the questions I'm interested in asking, actually, because I, I, I don't come necessarily with an answer. I come with mm -hmm. a question. How important yep. is it to you as a sector to have a thriving UK farming industry? Mm. Um, if it's not, then that's a, an important piece of knowledge. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in knowing how many of your customers uh, are wanting to see British food on the menu. Yeah. Um, now, there's another reason, I suppose, why uh, people in hospitality and catering might be uh, really interested in having a thriving UK food base is it spreads your risk. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what's happened since the uh, referendum and how the pound has fallen. Yeah. Um, and exchange, the exchange rate with the euro has meant that uh, you know, it's actually much more sensible for me as a farmer to be exporting my stuff now mm. than selling it into the UK market. Mm -hmm. uh, you therefore may have less options yeah. as to where you can buy your stuff from. Yeah. So I think that there's, and I think, you know, that's come out in conversations with some of your members, mm. um, that uh, that risk uh, mitigation is one of the reasons why yeah. uh, a lot of your members are feeling like they would like to have a, 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 a sensible amount of food being produced here. Yeah, I should just point out we're, we are actually um, recording this in a room where we're holding uh, a dinner tonight for Helen to, uh, to converse with a number of leaders from the food service sector, hence the rattling glasses yeah. you just heard. <laughs> well, I jiggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we're, we're drinking lots of wine already, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so so just talking also, just extending that question around, uh, around whether we grow or whether we uh, buy and import, do you, do you consider there may be um, either environmental or standards risks around increasing the amount of uh, Im imported goods we use in the UK? Well, the, obviously, standards. If we, if, you know, standards could differ, already mm. do differ mm. strongly around the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've actually, over the last ten or fifteen years, I think in the UK, we've really cleaned up our act yeah. around food. And one of the reasons we had the Curry Commission was that we were at that point the dirty man of Europe after you know we everything were. from Salmonella mm. to BSE to foot and mouth. Um, I think we've really learnt a lot of lessons and are mm. doing things very well in the UK. Um, so I would personally be nervous about opening the, back, the, the, the borders and just saying anything's, anything goes. Mm. Um, and uh, even if that does give a short-term advantage to business, are there risks mm. um, in doing that, that we have some food scandals that we haven't seen the like of for a while now? Yep. Um, so I do think that uh, we should be making sure that we have a good baseline, but that's my view. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, it's important to hear what other people uh, feel about that, whether they feel that worldwide now standards are so high we don't yeah. have to worry. Well, one assumes that, that also that will be very much something that a, a risk that the Commission itself would be trying to assess and advise on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the Food Standards Agency, for instance, I know is having to think very
very hard about what sort of food system are they going to have to regulate in the future. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we've got used to having this kind of quite well-defined regulatory base mm. um, and uh, it's starting to get a little, little bit easier to prevent some of the problems that we've had in the past and that we don't want to see happening Absolutely. again. And, and are there any other risks that you think the Commission should be examining during the course of their work over the next year or so? Well I think one of the uh, other areas where we know we're not getting it right in food um, is that a lot of people still find it quite difficult to access healthy food at affordable prices. Mm. Um, so I think there's both a risk and an opportunity there. I think probably more of an opportunity to start thinking about how do we help um, uh, food, uh, the food sector mm. um, tackle this big societal issue of obesity um, and uh, actually what I would call <laughs> malnutrition in many yeah. guises, yeah. you know, where people are eating too much of the wrong thing and not getting the nutrients they need. Yep. So perhaps we should be supporting, uh, you know, the horticultural sector more. That's never had support in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we should be starting to grow some new crops um, here, some new raw materials for the food sector, yeah. and more nuts, more pulses. Um, you know, we probably need to be moving away from quite so much meat eating. I say that as a livestock farmer myself, but mm. you know, that's the direction of travel we it probably is. need to be looking yeah. at. Um, so I think there's, there's some creativity, there's some opportunity, um, but I think we might want to rebalance the way we support uh, our food going forward. But again, you know, these are personal opinions. Well, of course, of course, and thank you for that. Um, so uh, looking forward, do you see do you see opportunities emerging from this process? I mean, uh, one of the things we, we held a previous dinner, a bit like the one we're, uh, we're holding this evening, uh, where um, board beer were held up as, um, as being a an interesting model mm. that maybe British farming should be looking to uh, emulate in some way. Uh, do, do you think that's a good idea? I was really taken by that discussion and mm. uh, and just you know in in a in a country like Ireland or and I see it too and when I go to Scotland to some extent too where agriculture and the food industry is a bigger part of the mix where it's more yeah. important to the to the economy yep. just how people get their act together mm. and I felt what we were what was being said at the previous dinner was actually we need to get our act together around some of this stuff there needs to be a, a you know a, a, a bit of tough love in places mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, there's a, a real opportunity to market um, what we do proudly and really well um, mm. I really like the idea that we will be building on sort of excellence here we'll be looking to to, to, to develop a very strong sense of British food being uh, the best brand brand in the world I think yeah. that's a you know, that's an aspiration for me that uh, feels feels tremendous yeah. um, so I think there's a great opportunity out of what feels like a little bit of a crisis and a bit of a mess yep. uh, to say well let's 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 throw the rule books away let's do things a bit differently um, and let's put enough priority on this because yeah. food and what we do in our countryside is right at the heart actually of the things that people care about when they stop to think for one second uh, yeah. we can make a lot of that opportunity yeah well it does seem to me that um, the food service sector is um, compared to the retail sector is, is, is massively fragmented yeah. And as a result, the food service sector finds it difficult to communicate with the rest, the rest of the value chain in the same way yeah. as the retailers do. 
And um, for me, there is a terrific opportunity for uh, getting more innovation, uh, more new products, more um, uh, conversation going between the farming community and, uh, and the caterers, because we do that, I think will make a major difference to the experience for the consumer and make ourselves more competitive. So um, I, I think it's a great idea, personally. No, I think, I think that's, that's why it's so exciting. That's why I was so pleased when we started having these conversations, you yeah, and I, yeah. um, about this, because you're right, it is so fragmented, and somehow the, there needs to be a stronger voice yeah. Um, from from your sector, yeah. uh, which actually does bring all these things together, and uh, and enables uh, the views that you're expressing so clearly around these tables yeah. to be heard by uh, by government. Yeah. You know yeah. that's got to be such a that's such a worthwhile thing to be doing at the moment. So I think these kind of dinners and these kind of conversations mm. uh, hopefully hone hone the lines that you need to take into that debate. Mm. Okay, thank you for that. Um, uh, w one thing that is very true for us in our sector at the moment is that um, there's there's a huge kind of crisis of issues in a way that I mean I've been I've been 40 years in the food service sector and I've never seen anything quite like it is at the moment. You know we have we have the introduction of a living wage that ratchets up over time uh, and is seriously I'm not saying it's a bad thing mm. but it seriously impacts um, uh, costs and profitability in our sector food inflation is uh, is rampant and still increasing um, you know everyone looks at the consumer price index and says oh there's not much inflation but in catering we're running at over six percent now year on year uh, in our food inflation. There are rates uh, increases, there's a whole rate revaluation thing going on. London rents are going through the roof uh, still, but, um, and, and so there's a whole load of issues at the same time as there is a weakening in consumer demand. Mm. So we're starting, we're starting to see like for likes now stabilizing or even declining. Um, so our, our leaders in our industry are facing a kind of, they often call it the, you know, the perfect storm yeah, or the yeah. tsunami, all those kind of things. So do you think, what do you think about these issues? Are, are, are they, you know, I could easily see a, a CEO of a, of a catering business or a, or a restaurant group saying, well, actually, I haven't got time to focus on, on the kind of issues that we're talking here now because actually I've got all these other burning platforms everywhere. Do you think that would be a reasonable statement or do you think they really should be taking these issues on board as well? Well, I think in a way they kind of come together to some extent, don't they? I mean, I mm. think they are, uh, you know, different symptoms of the same kind of problem yep. um, to some extent. Maybe maybe less the business rates one. Yep. Um, but I think a lot of the time when we're looking at the issues of l like uh, the living wage um, and, uh, you know, they, they are... I mean, it is an irony that a lot of the people who are most struggling to earn a reasonable income are those people working in the food industry. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, we want them. We want we want a society that can afford to to pay enough yeah. uh, for their food. Yep. So we've got some really circular problems that we're trying to deal with here. We sure do. Um, so I, I but I think that if um, uh, if raw material supply and uh, the quality and provenance of that and a and indeed that the sort of pricing on that mm. is likely to be an issue going forward then actually ending up thinking through what will help us uh, reduce the volatility and mm. I think that's probably a big issue I think we're going to see in lots and lots of markets a lot more volatility over mm. time if that's an issue it might be not absolutely reducing the price 
yep. uh, on average, but reducing the volatility. These issues around how we uh, how we deal with the with 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 things like farm support uh, and the trade and and labour. Uh, deals that we do mm-hmm. are going to be crucial. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can walk away from particularly the Labour one, yeah. um, yep. uh, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, and uh, from what I've heard from around this table uh, on previous occasions, um, I think that mitigating the risk of having to import all your food mm. um, becomes uh, yeah. quite a, a you know becomes quickly quite an acute issue. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, it does seem to me that um, uh, the agri-food sector, which we sit on one sort of wing of uh, mm. in food service, um, should be trying to speak with one voice to government now. And that, that, that to me seems like the most important thing, is that we, are, we do all become joined up. And to the extent possible, we're all talking about the same things and the same pro- issues and actually potentially the same solutions. And if we can do that, we'll be much more powerful than if we operate independently with, with lots of fragmented a- activity. Yeah. Um, I think common solutions would be really helpful for government, yeah. you know, to have a view where, where can you find the win-wins yep. um, that actually meet the needs of, of, uh, of, 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 of industry but also will meet the needs of, you know, the people who are worried about the, some of the environmental impacts or some of the animal welfare impacts yeah. uh, or some of the social impacts. So I think trying to find ways of, uh, of arranging our affairs into the future which deliver at least some of what we all need and want to have a, a thriving economy, yep. um, I think will be crucial. Thank you. Um, if I may, just before we finish, I'd just like to return to the farm subsidy issue a mm. bit, because I know this is uh, something that quite a lot of people in our sector have been talking about. Um, as I understand it, um, over 50% of farm incomes on average um, uh, are from um, farm subsidy in one way, shape, or mm. form. Um, and um, qu- quite a lot of people in our sector say, well, it's, um, it, it, it would be... Um, it would be really risky to just pull the plug on that um, because um, because clearly you know that could create major changes in uh, who farms what um, and all those kind of issues that would cause supply issues. But equally, there's there is a there's another sort of view that's been expressed to me, which is well, um, we don't have a restaurant uh, subsidy uh, situation, so why 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 would we, why should we be subsidising farmers? What, what, what's, what's your view about the way in which the most sensible way that mm. the transfer from the common agricultural policy into a UK food policy on farm subsidies should really happen? Do you have any views on that? Well, I certainly I hate the word subsidy, mm. um, and I think we should <laughs> I've never been using it. Lots, no, no, so. no, we should never be. We should we should not be subsidising. Yeah. I, I think unless we decide mm. as a society the best way to to make food affordable mm. is to is to actually subsidize it at the farm level you know, yeah. that's an economic piece of economic analysis that i yeah. think needs doing yeah. um, but unless that's the rationale a clear rationale i don't think we should be just uh paying farmers um in order for them just to carry on farming mm. um, but farming does deliver a huge range of other benefits which society maybe is willing to pay for mm. um, so a lot of the environmental benefits that looking after the land well brings mm. uh, i think should be supported from the public purse 
because farmers bear those costs of actually uh, you know, delivering those, mm. those services, whether that's planting more trees to make sure that we don't flood our cities, or looking after our water supplies well, or uh, enhancing mm. biodiversity, or you know, all of those things are areas where we have a big problem, where there are big costs somewhere else, yeah. and we should be probably incentivizing farmers to be yeah. doing those things right. And I think if we get uh, a switch towards more payment to, to, for those environmental services, we should be letting probably the market hold sway yeah. around what's actually produced. There may yeah. be times when you want to help farmers transition from one system to another. Yeah. Um, and uh, some areas, I have a particular interest in agroforestry, growing mm -hmm. nuts and orchard fruits and those kind of things. Now, that's a very long lead time game. You might be putting yeah. trays in for 10 years before you get production. Out. So mm. you might want to help smooth some of that yep. uh, with, with the right kind of payments. You might want to set up uh, you know, some horticultural units closer to inner cities so that you can be feeding you know more directly some mm. uh, people from you know with fresh fruit and veg there might be things you decide to do um, but I think just putting money in uh, on the basis of how much land a somebody is farming doesn't seem like the right way forward no no it, it, I've, I've, I've read um, that New Zealand withdrew farm subsidy yeah. qu quite quickly I think yeah. and and, and claim quite a lot of success from that. Um, are, are we similar enough to New Zealand to, to take some learnings from that or not? I don't know that we are, but I, as I said, and, I, and I don't think I would hate to see something quite as brutal happening here. I think whatever yeah. happens does need a, a transition uh, period. Um, I think what was good in some ways about the New Zealand thing is it unleashed a certain amount of uh, entrepreneurial activity. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is, if I'm honest, some dead wood in the farming sector and I think yeah. there's a need to enable the youngsters to come through and uh, we want to see the brightest and the best yep. on farms uh, doing the job really well. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a little bit of tough love, a phrase I've used before, uh, maybe in the mix here. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think that withdrawing all support and not even supporting some of the environmental benefits would be hugely misguided yeah. in a UK context. One of the things that I have always found interesting about New Zealand, though, and I, particularly on the dairying side, is the way that farmers are encouraged, I think even uh, almost forced, to buy into their processing capacity. Yeah. You know, how do we actually get the chain to join up better? Mm. And that might be uh, particularly pertinent in the, in the catering sector too. Very, very. Uh, yeah. Where instead of you know farmers all doing their thing over there and never thinking about what the market wants, which is the problem we had 20 or 30 years ago, yep. how do we make sure that farmers get a slice of the action not just at the farm gate but actually take some of the risk and opportunity further down the chain how do we make sure that farmers are, are mm. cooperating well either with each other or through the supply chain to their final customer so oh, some absolutely. of that stuff needs to happen I think it's a terrific opportunity and not just in dairy actually I think no, no, that no. I think I think there's lots of other sectors that where that uh, really should be happening and we could do a lot more of it and out of that come mm. some brilliant stories too yeah. don't they and I think that uh, you know everybody wants to know increasingly or more and more people want to know where their food's coming from yeah. and I know sometimes we say out of home people aren't so bothered they're just going out and it's food no, they are. <laughs> um, but I think increasingly they are, they are bothered mm. Um, and I'd like to see them even more bothered 
Yeah. Uh, and as telling some of those stories, and some of those stories have been really substantiated by reality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely, I agree entirely. No fake brands. No, God, Tesco. No, no, I didn't <laughs> hear that. Um, okay, so um, so before we wind up, um, bearing in mind, um, you know, the, the the listeners to this podcast will be um, mostly from the hospitality catering um, sectors. Uh, is there anything else that we've missed in terms of what we've talked about that you think would be of interest? Uh, to them or have you got any message for them? Well I think my overall message is to find your voice Mm. Um, make sure that you know that 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 you're thinking through collectively. You can, if you can, sort of discuss and and come to more common views about where you feel uh, food and farm policy should be going into the future, and making sure that voice is heard. Um, engaging your customers, mm. perhaps, in that discussion, because mm. you know that's what counts is 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 actually uh, understanding what people really think about some of this stuff. It's not just enough for us as businesses yeah. to say this stuff. We need more and more people being interested in where their food comes from, uh, what standards it's been pr- produced to, uh, interested in the, the healthiness of what we're eating to. You know, that's, a, that's good work to do. It's engaging for your customer base, but it also could be really helpful in shaping the future. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Helen Browning, very much for coming along and talking to us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much to uh, David and to Helen there. If any of these topics uh, that we talked about today are of any interest to you or if any of them affect your business, please do feel free to get in touch. My email address is stuart.reed at prestige-purchasing.com. That is S-T-U-A-R-T dot R-E-A-D at prestige-purchasing.com. And don't forget to sign up for our news bites if you haven't done so already. You can do that at our website, which is www.prestige-purchasing.com. Next month, we're going to look at the supplier side of the industry and see how the current state of the market is affecting business for them. We hope to see you then. And for now, thank you very much for listening. Thank you.